So, running our race. We, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Andy shared the vision for the church, and it is a, the, 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 the title of the, the series is Running Our Best Lap Yet. And so we're looking at Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it reads as follows. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's the cloud of witnesses I was just referring to, that's written about in Hebrews chapter 11, this great cloud of witnesses. He, the writer of the Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, uh, where are we? Not there yet, okay. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Hebrews 1 and 2. But I just want to point out from this, actually, leave it up there, love. That's brilliant. Therefore, what, what we see in here is we also, and I noticed while studying this, the amount of times there's plural in this. It's not you also, it's we also. We also, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance. And that's, let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. So we have, it's, it's a plural. We have an individual race to run and we also have a corporate race to run. So we have an individual and a corporate race. And we know that the church is called the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, we are the body. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So we're the body of Christ members individually. So we have our individual race to run and we have a race to run as a church, as a body. So the point of this scripture is that we need each other. Not one of us can run our race on our own. And we'll get, we'll get to that a little bit ahead. But the, guy, the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about this great cloud of witnesses. He says, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, and that crowd, that great cloud of witnesses is referring to the, 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 the list of people in Hebrews chapter 11. And it's called the, the Faith Hall of Fame, if you like. It's all these guys that have gone before us and they've run their race. They've gone before us. They've run their, their race and they've overcome some tremendous difficulties. And that's the witness. What is, why does it say they're surrounded by, so we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses? because they've been witnessing, they've witnessed the faithfulness of God. And because they've witnessed the faithfulness of God, they've run their race, it's now time for us to be part, to run our race, to witness the faithfulness of God in our lives. And these witnesses, Jacob and Moses and Joseph and all these guys that, don't, that the, that the writer writes about in Hebrews chapter 11, they are standing in the grandstand of our lives and they're cheering you on. 
they are cheering you on. It's fantastic to think that, that, they, that those that are for us are greater than those that are against us. You've got the whole of heaven on your side. You've got the hosts of heaven encouraging you, clapping you on. Come on, guys. Come on, Wayne. You can do it. Come on, Andrew. Come on, Steph. You can do it. You can, you're going to run your race. You're going to run your race. And so I just want to highlight that one, that one line that says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're going to run our race. But some, something very important to know about when we run a race, some very important points. When we run a race, we need to know where's the start. Okay, so if, we, if we're going to run a London Marathon, we don't start it in Portsmouth or in Waterlooville. The London Marathon, if you're going to enter the London Marathon, you need to be in London. So what is the start of our race? Of our race? It's making sure that the basics are in place. We've got to make sure that we, we understand what this race is all about. And the start of our race is salvation. It's accepting Jesus Christ into our lives, accepting, accepting him as our Lord and our Saviour. It's when we hand over the steering wheel of our lives to Jesus and we start embarking on a journey like something you've never imagined before. You know, the day I gave my heart to the Lord, I thought, somebody's turned the lights on, number one. Well, I've been walking around in darkness, but everything looked different, physically different. Everything was different. My life has been on this, I've been on this journey for 30 years that I never knew existed. It's an exciting life. It's not a boring, dull life. It really is an exciting life. But Jesus is the author of our faith. So the starting blocks has got to be Jesus. He talks, he talks about it in Hebrews 12. He says Jesus is the author and the finisher. He's the one who starts it, and he's the one who finishes it. And in Matthew chapter 7, we read an account where it says, enter by the narrow gate. And that narrow gate, that's Jesus. Enter by the narrow gate. But the problem is sometimes we enter in through the narrow gate and we pull up a park bench and we sit there and we never move on. And that's not what life is all about. We, we, we need to move on with God. Psalm 84 verse 5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Blessed is the man whose heart is set on pilgrimage. That word pilgrimage means highway or a causeway or a path. We're on a journey. We're on this pilgrimage. We're in a race. And at times, sometimes, we can go through life going around the same mountain over and over and over. We can face the same issues the same difficulties, the same situations. It might be the same situation, just different people, same obstacles, and never getting victory. You know what? We can believe God for breakthrough. The beginning of this year, we had 31 days of breakthrough prayer, and we've seen amazing testimonies. We've already testified to a number of people that have been affected by those 31 days of breakthrough, just in this little congregation ourselves. But remember, we can believe God for breakthrough, but we've got our part to play as well in the breakthrough. We can't do God's part, and he won't do our part. 
we've got to cooperate with God. So we can't just stay seated on that park bench inside that narrow gate. Jesus is 100% committed to you. 100%. He gave his life completely for you and for me. He didn't get off the cross halfway through. He gave 100%. And that's what I want to encourage you today. Are we living for Jesus 100% or 50% or 20%? And I don't mean this in any condemning way, but I've had to assess myself this week as well. How much am I committed to Jesus? Is it 20, 40, 60, or is it 100? A hundred percent. We need to follow him completely, being all in. I love that expression. Let's be in all in people. Let's go in. Let's just forget about any anything that might hold us back. Let's just dive in and let's just open our arms and look, catch me. Just catch me. Let's go for it. Let's go all in. So we, when we go in, we, we experience this life of growth a life of transformation, a life of conforming more and more to the image of Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. It's about putting him first, putting all the things of God first, seeking him first, making him not just our saviour, but our Lord, making him, giving him, allow him to take over the steering wheel, allow him to to lead you, to guide you, to guide you, to, to show you the way forward. So we know what the, what the start of the race is all about. The second part of a, of a race, we need to know the distance, right? We need to know the distance. We know that the, the Christian life isn't about the 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. It just goes on and on. It's not just 42 Ks either. It's a long marathon. It's like an ultra, ultra marathon. So we're in this for the long haul. We're not going to just try this for a week or two. We're committing to this for the long term, for the long haul. And irrespective of conditions, like today, you know, it was a little bit gusty and it's pretty chilly out there actually. But we're going to run our race even in the cold. When, it, when the sun's shining, when the, when the conditions are perfect, we're going to run our race. When it's cloudy, when it's raining, when it's sleeting, when it's snowing, we're going to run our race. We aren't going to run our race dependent on the circumstances. That, oh no, today's a bit of a bad day. No, I think I'm going to take the day off from Jesus today. No, we run this for the long haul, regardless, irrelevant, irrespective of the circumstances and the conditions. Regardless of the storms, the sunshine, the heat, we're gonna live by conviction and not by preference. When things, when, when maybe you're tempted to like give in just a little bit, just a little bit of um, compromise. You know, your friends are joking or speaking about the boss and you know, you might be tempted to join in. Don't, live by conviction. Live by pre- not by preference. Those are difficult circumstances. It's tempting to get, it's easy to get drawn in. I've been there. I know what it's like. I'm not speaking for, as a judge, but I know I've experienced this. And it, but you've got to live by conviction, not by preference. Don't go down that route. Don't go down that route. We have quite a little bit of fun, Chris and I, because he's working from home. And so we, during the week, and, and 
So at lunchtime, we get together and we just have this little joke. We say, okay, it's lunchtime. Let's pretend this is the canteen and let's talk about the boss. And he is the boss. <laughs> so we, we discuss him. And uh, that's why we can't get into any trouble. But anyway, so we've, we've looked at the start. We've looked at the distance. And we're going to continue regardless of whether it's uncomfortable, regardless of the conditions, we're going to run our race. And then the direction. You know what? One of the most important aspects of running a race is you've got to make sure you're running in the right direction. Um, you know, if a race is being run in a clockwise motion around a track, don't start running the anti-clockwise way. You've got to make sure you're going in the right direction. So you need to know the route. And Jesus is our due north. So we follow him. Talking about the race of life, talking about following Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus isn't following us. We're following him. He's the head and we're following him. It's not the other way around. So we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, like it says in Hebrews 12. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Follow him. As, and as you do, you'll follow in his ways. But you've got to know where you're going to. I made a little note here. It says, not so much what I'm going to do, but how I'm going to do it. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, it's not so much about I must do A, B, and C. It's about my life on this journey to, be, to, to keeping my eyes on Jesus, keeping my eyes on his ways, his will, his purposes, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I'm going through, I'm going to do things God's way. That's the bottom line. We're going to do things God's way. So that's why vision is so important. Vision, we touched on this last week about vision, but I do want to, I would do want to just expound a little bit about vision. Because Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. That word perish is pora. It means like a woman when she's, when she's washed her hair and her hair dryer is broken and it goes all over the show. It's directionless. I don't know, some people have got beautiful straight hair or beautiful curly hair that just sits perfectly. I've got to spend three hours drying my hair to get into some condition. If I don't, it goes pora. It's perishing. It's all over the place. It's directionless. It's everywhere. But this is what it's about. Without vision, we're directionless. We're going all over the place. We're going around in meaningless circles. We start reacting to situations as they arise. Lack of vision can hold us back. If we don't know where we're going to, how are we going to get there? We need to have a vision. Like Chris spoke about the other day, I wasn't in the service, but I heard about it. He, he was saying about having a vision, and it's something that's, that's out there, it's something that's attainable, but it's something that you can hook, you, like, a, like a fishing rod, I think you, you explained it. You, 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 you've got something to hook into to draw you towards something, and that's what it is. That's looking unto Jesus. I'm going to put my hook into into the vision of Jesus that, and his ways and his purposes. And I'm gonna, that's what's going to draw me into him, into conforming more and more into his, into his ways, keeping us on track, 
staying in the right lane as we're running our race. But without vision, it's like sitting in that rocking chair. You, you, you're keeping busy, but you're going nowhere. You, you're making no progress. You might be going around in circles, directionless, directionless. But as we run this race, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. We're going to respond to circumstances in a godly way and not just react to every circumstance that comes our way. And as we, as we respond to, God, to, to our circumstances in a godly way, so we conform to the image of Jesus. And, so, and as, that's how we get our victory. That's how we get our breakthrough. But without vision, we're doing things the Frank Sinatra way. We'll do things my way not committed to anything, just reacting by impulse with whatever's thrown my way, making knee-jerk decisions when under pressure. I tell you what, if you're under pressure, don't make any decisions. Don't make any decisions, because the, it's the devil that drives, but God leads us. The, the devil will drive you and say, you must get out of this situation, but God will lead us. He will lead us into his ways, so don't respond to circumstances. Have that clear vision. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's actually a person that thinks of doing this one minute and then doing this the next minute. The, the Amplified says he's uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. Everything that you think, feel, and decide if you're, if you're, if you're double-minded. But allow your vision. Have that vision. Decide today. The Bible says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. He comes with that big hint. Choose life. Do it God's way. Regardless, it might hurt your flesh. So what? Suck it up. Suck it up. Your flesh can suck it up. But I'm going to do things God's way. That means tutting. You know, it's little things. Sometimes, this, this morning, driving here, somebody cut me off. And I, well, you know, I started tutting. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, oh, stop it. Just stop that. And I thought, but I want to. I really, really want to. No, just stop it. Because that little tut, that little sigh, that's a little seed. Then I think, oh, I got away with that. I can start rolling my eyes next time, you know. You know, we're all good at that nowadays, eh? Just rolling our eyes when somebody gets in the way in the shop. Are you ready yet? Are you finished? And you know, getting sarcastic. No, I'm going to do things God's way. And he starts pulling me up on the little things. And that's when we respond to God on the little things. Habakkuk 2, verses 2 to 4. Is this okay, everybody? You're still with us? Right, Habakkuk 2. Um... Habakkuk 2 says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Write the vision, make, so if you've got a vision for your life, write it down. Maybe it's, what, it doesn't matter how big or small it is, but write it down. Make it plain that he may run who reads it. We're talking about running our race. We want to be able to make sure that we're running our race with vision, with purpose. The message says, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. 
Write your vision in big block letters. Make it big. Make it, make it visible. Make your vision visible. That you may run. That, that's what keeps you. That's what keeps drawing you. No, what do I want to do? What do I want out of my life? I want to conform to the image of Jesus. Okay, so Jesus, I magnify you in my life. I make him big in my life. And that's what draws me. That's, that's when the Holy Spirit convicts me. Stop your tutting, stop your sighing, stop your rolling your eyes. Silly woman. Well, he doesn't say that. He says, my, my beloved child, he said. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. At the end, your vision will speak. As long as your vision is in line with the word of God, we're not believing here for a Lamborghini, okay? That's not what the vision is. But the vision is about conforming to the image of Jesus. It's about doing things his way. It's about doing things God's way. Though it tarries, you might go through some difficulties, you might go through some circumstances, but wait for it. It will not lie. What your vision is that draws you, it will not lie because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Then he goes on, he says, Behold the proud. Oh, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him. In fact, I think the, it's the message that says, the, the proud is a person bloated by self-importance, full of himself, but his soul is empty. That's what the definition of a proud person somebody who's full of themselves, but their soul is empty. And that's none of us here, okay? That's not us. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright, but the just, that's us, the justified, shall live by his faith. Your vision will take faith. Your vision will take faith. We're running by conviction, running not by preference, Trusting God each step of the way. You know what, when things are going wrong and you just keep doing things God's way, you know what, just become bullheaded about it, bullhearted, but bullheaded. No, I'm determined. I'm going to do things God's way. I don't want to do things my way. I've done things my way for long enough and I'm, I'm good at messing things up, but God isn't. He's my restorer. He's my vindicator. He's my justifier. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. So choose God's way. Make sure your vision is bigger than yourself. Make sure your vision is bigger than yourself so that you've got something to hold on to, something to reel you in. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We know what the start is. We know what the direction is. We know what the distance is. Now we've got to know what to wear and what not to wear. We've just come out of lockdown. We've all done Zoom calls in our pajamas, church in our pajamas and slippers. Those days are over. Okay, praise God for that. Those days are over. But we're going to run our race. We're going to have to adhere to some guidelines. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says the, these words, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside. In order to run our race, we're going to have to lay aside our slippers. We're going to have to lay aside our PJs. Let us lay aside every weight. Everything. Other translations say, let us lay aside everything that hinders. Let us, lay us, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. 
We cannot run our race carrying unnecessary weights. So in order to run our race, we've got to be suitably dressed. And I'll tell you what, the main thing is, wear Jesus. Wear Jesus well. Wherever you go, just wear Jesus well. Get rid of the slippers, get rid of the PJs. It's, we can't afford to have any excess baggage. We can't run with that backpack. Who go, I mean, okay, unless you're a runner and you're really trying to train, but generally you don't go running with a backpack full of bricks on your back, don't do you? You've got to, it'll, it'll slow you down, it'll trip you up, it'll, it'll trip you up and it'll tire you out. We've got to get rid of the excess baggage. In fact, the Amplified says, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, any encumbrance that's an unnecessary weight. And I looked up, what does encumbrance actually mean? It means an impediment or a burden or a hindrance or even an obstruction throw off these weights, these things that will obstruct us from reaching our, the, the prize of the upward call of God. An impediment is something that makes progress or movement difficult. We can't run that marathon in the slippers and in our pajamas We've got, and with that backpack. We've got to throw aside anything that's going to hinder our movement. You know, you can't go running a marathon in an evening gown. You know, we've got to be suitably dressed. Get rid of the stuff. A handicap can be a physical or a mental handicap to run a race. And, and a handicap is a disadvantage that makes achievement almost impossible. That, that's what a handicap can be. And nobody enters into a race thinking, well, I'm not going to run it. You wouldn't enter a race if you thought you couldn't do it. So, but... That's what a handicap can be, and we can be, but we've got to be physically and mentally prepared to run a race. In Philippians 3, he says, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He, if God has called you to a particular race, to a particular life, he will strengthen you, not just physically. You know, at times you get physically tired, and I can stand on that word and say, Lord, I thank you that I can, the task that you've laid before me, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I see Amy here week in, week out, setting up this kit. It's a woman. Okay, some men help, but mostly Amy, this woman, comes in here. She's worked till 3 a.m. sometimes because she works in American time. She comes here tired. She never complains, never complains. She has a smile. She's loving. I just think, oh, my word, this woman is amazing. I'm sorry I'm embarrassing you, Amy. But, <laughs> but I tell you what, what's her logo? What's her motto? Bless God. He will give me strength, and he does. He enables her. He empowers her. So we go, God gives us strength to get through these things. A hindrance. I'm reminded of um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Paul said, you ran well. What hindered you? What hindered you? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You ran well. You started off running well, but something hindered you. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Galatia. And what had happened was they'd gone from, from following grace. They took on law. They decided they're going to go live back under the law again. 
but we've got to realize that this is not a race of law and legalism. It's not, you must, you must, you must. This is a race of grace. This is a race of grace. We are saved by grace through faith. And we are, we, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. This is a race of grace. So just briefly, we're going to look at some of the weights that we might need to throw aside in order to run our race with endurance. And some of them, some of the, some of the unnecessary weights could be our past, could be, our, could be hurts and disappointments from our past. And you know, so often we refer to the past and we speak about the good old days. Oh, I think, no thank you. Those were not my good old days. These are the good days. These are the days. This is the day the Lord has made. Forget about the past. What's happened in my past, sometimes people say, well, what's happened in my past has made me skeptical. I don't, I don't want to get bitten. I don't want to get burnt again. I've been through that before. No. You know what? Forget about the past. We can't dwell in the past. Remember Lot's wife. She started, she looked back, she got turned into a pillar of salt because she started actually longing for sin. That's why she got turned into a pillar of salt. But some of us carry consequences to some choices that we've made in our past. And we can't ignore those consequences. Um, you know, we, we, we think of Moses. Moses killed the Egyptian. And I don't believe it was intentional murder. He was a hot-headed person. And he, it was unintentional. But there were consequences to his actions. And he landed up living on the backside of the desert for 40 years because of his actions. So his actions had consequences. You know, so maybe you've not killed an Egyptian this week. Okay, if you have, we will pray for you at the end of the service. But hopefully you've not killed an Egyptian this week. But maybe you've made some other mistakes. Maybe this week, last month, last year. Maybe you've made some mistakes. You've made some wrong choices in your life. Maybe it's even years ago. You know, perhaps you fell pregnant. You've got a consequence to that pregnancy. Or maybe your marriage hadn't worked out and you got divorced and you feel that you're carrying the stigma. Maybe you've made other poor relational decisions, or maybe even poor financial decisions, and as a result, you're suffering the consequences now. But I just want to encourage you that even if that is the case, God will show you how to live out your life right where you are with those consequences. He doesn't just remove those consequences. Those consequences are real. They happened. It's, it's called life. This is what's happened. But we've got to let go of those disappointments. Let go of those hurts. You know what? That, that scripture that we read earlier about uh, letting, laying aside every weight, the Passion Translation says, we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. Every wound, whether it's a divorce, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether, regardless of what it is, whatever that wound is, we need to let go of every wound that has pierced us. Let go of it. You know, like, like the guys from the Heroes of Faith, like Moses, he made huge mistakes. He, but 
God redeemed them. He, he still used Moses. It's not like that was it, he's made a mistake, now he's going to lose out. No, he redeemed. God is a God of redemption. He will redeem. He will take our hurt and he will redeem it. So we can't blame God for our, for our consequences though. I had a lot to do with my mistakes. It had nothing to do with God. And I've had to carry some of my mistakes through my life. But God has redeemed them. God has redeemed them. We need to take responsibility for our own actions. Not blame God, it's not his fault, it's my fault. But we need to get God's perspective on, on these things that we carry and, and, and that know that there is a grace for your race. Even if you're carrying through things in your life at this time, there's a grace for your race, regardless of whatever it is that's happened. He will make all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Every mistake, every error is redeemable. He can work it out for good. Philippians 3, verses 13 to 14, the Apostle Paul says this. <coughs> Sorry. Brethren, ancestrum, I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do. Now this is the guy that was persecuting Christians. He was consenting to the death of Stephen, and he, so he was having people killed, basically. And he says, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Reaching forward to that vision, that vision of Jesus, looking unto Jesus. I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what it is. There's a prize. Reach forward for the prize. Do you know what? When you start, when you start pursuing the things of God, do you know what you get? You get God. You get God. Who? I mean, come on. That's, that's, that's your prize. You get God. What a prize. What a prize. What an awesome prize. There is a prize. There's a crown laid up for us, which we'll hear about in weeks to come. But Apostle Paul, he couldn't live his life based on regret. He couldn't live his life like that. He had to pursue the things of God. God had a plan and a purpose for his life. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament. This is the guy that, that he forgot those things which are behind, forgetting those things which are behind. So don't allow your past, your hurts, your disappointments to slow you down, to hinder you. I've got so many other points, but I'm going to just come into land. And I want to end with this. The Bible says, the scripture we started with was 1 Corinthians 12. You are the body, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And I just, want to, I just want to encourage us all that in a race, um, most athletes will have a trainer. They will have a trainer. And that trainer will, um, will, will push you if you're, if you're an athlete. I'm not an athlete, but this is just what I've heard, okay? So um, I'm open to correction. But every trainer, that trainer will strengthen you. They'll encourage you. They will stretch you out of your comfort zone. And this is a race of life that we are in. We are one body, many members. I was encouraged this morning by Margaret, turning 88 years old. She came to me with her, with her, um, her, her 
word for the day, word for today. It encouraged me. It encouraged me today, and I think we were all encouraged when she shared it earlier on in the service. We are members individually, but we are one body. We need each other. The Bible says that he who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. He who isolates himself from God and from man isolates himself, seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. We need each other. Get around. Get, we, this is not Texas. This is not the Lone Star State. We're not here being independent, little independent people. No, I don't, it's me, myself, and I. No, no, no. We need each other. Build relationships with one another. I'm blessed by what I see happening amongst the people in the church. They're building relationships. We need each other to support one another, to cheer each other on. It's fantastic having that great cloud of witnesses cheering us on and saying, yeah, come on, Moses is up there, Paul's up there, and he's saying, Come on, Margaret. Come on, Eunice. Come on, Veronica. You can do it. Pursue the things of God. Yes, yes. But even better is Jesus with skin on. That's you and me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That when you're coming alongside your brother and your sister, you say, come on, you're going through a difficult time. Let's pray. Let's get into agreement. Make sure, though, that the person that, you, that you're getting into agreement with is going in the same direction. You don't go and join yourself to someone who's going in the opposite direction. They will take you out. They will take you out. Don't do it. But you need loyal friends. Friends, faithful are the wounds of a, of a friend. Faithful are the wounds. Sometimes, sometimes people have to speak truth into your life. Be open. It doesn't mean that we come around and correct everybody. But, but be open to, to faithful, loyal friends who will speak truth into your life. Okay, is that all right? So we're going to end there. So just to summarize, we're in this race. Let us lay aside every weight. I didn't get to half my points, but never mind, it doesn't matter. You know what the things are that you need to lay aside. Maybe it's shame, maybe it's guilt, it's the past. It's hurt. It's disappointments. Maybe you don't know who you are in Christ. Maybe you need to go read, the, read, the, go read Ephesians chapter 1. Go read Romans 8. Go and read your Bible. Find out what God says about you. But be in the grandstand of life, with the, in the life of your brothers and your sisters, and cheering each other on. In Jesus' name, amen.